Very, very boring. I look at spreadsheets all day. <laughs> all day long. It's not interesting at all. Welcome back, because it's been a while, to this, the Toronto Beer Podcast. I'm going to call it entering into its third season, because we just accidentally took like five weeks off, I think. Mandy, is that about how many weeks? Was it that long? I'm not sure. I've lost track. Oh, okay. Three weeks, five weeks. It It's felt like an eternity. Yeah, it seems like ages. Yeah. So we, well, when was OCB week? Because we were talking about recording an episode in OCB week, and it's been since then. Second week of June, I think. Yeah. So about a month. Yeah. So here, let us explain why this has happened. And it's really simple. Things get crazy busy in the summertime. Whoa. And then some of us run breweries, and that's even worse. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I can't I can't disagree with that. I was thinking actually before we uh before we started rolling here that just about the only thing that's new with me is trying to keep uh keep beer on the shelves and keep everything afloat, which is challenging at this time of year, for sure. That's not new, Mandy. That's your story most of the time. And, I know. And say right, no that, to everybody. That's it. Uh, yeah, that that's about it. There's <laughs> nothing else going on in my world, just uh trying to keep things working, not falling apart. Well, I'm sure we can find some stuff that's been going down. But first of all, and foremost, I am thirsty because I have been a busy, hardworking boy. And so let's see what we got going here. That wasn't bad. I didn't hold it right up to the mic this time, so I didn't need the uh, compressor. Um, I, Mandy Murphy, am drinking a wonderful beer that I came across incidentally at the LCBO, much to my delight and surprise, because I've had beer from this brewery before, but would not have expected to have found it on an LCBO shelf here in Toronto. And yet there it was. I am drinking an illiterate librarian's grapefruit IPA by the Refined Fool Brewing Company out of Sarnia, who I visited uh, around this time last year when I was junketing my way through Ontario Southwest and quite enjoyed uh, their brewery. And uh, yeah, it's just, they're, it's not that they're that small, but they're a smaller brewery and I wouldn't have thought LCBO distribution and, and here it is. So cheers to Refined Fool. I'm about to pour it. Are you drinking something? I'm not actually. I feel like I'm coming down with something. I was uh, traveling last week and I always get sick when flying, so I'm pretty sure I caught something on the plane, and the only thing in front of me here is a nice warm cup of tea. I don't know, Mandy. You know what they say, ails what cures you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a dad joke, isn't it? I uh, love dad jokes, but maybe not that one so much. You know what I love? This beer. What do you love? This beer is pretty tasty. Are you, are you finding, Chris, that you're seeing more... Um, more small new breweries popping up on the shelves of the LCBO? I'm going to answer that question, but I just want to let you know that that is not at all the question I thought you were asking when you started. And I'll also oh. answer that question. But uh, in answer to the question that you actually asked, as opposed to the one that I thought you were asking, um, I've got to be honest with you. I'm not spending as much time in the LCBO because 
my local Loblaws, of course, has lovely beer. And so most of my beer pocket change is going to Loblaws these days. But mm-hmm. I did notice certainly, and, and the LCBO I was in was uh, the one on Danforth at Vic Park. So actually, it's a Scarborough LCBO, and not to knock mm-hmm. Scarborough, but not known for its craft beer thriving community um but they've done a really good job actually their beer guy there i've known for a while and uh he's done a really good job and yeah there was a number of smaller breweries that uh they brought in which obviously means they're listed which is a big deal i I assume you've noticed this yeah i'm finding the same every time i walk through the door i feel like there's stuff on the shelves that i've never seen before and i've heard of many of the breweries but um certainly never had the opportunity to try their beer and it's encouraging. It's kind of fun every time you walk through the door seeing something new that you really didn't expect to see there before. Yeah, I I totally dig that uh, that sense of like, oh hey, what's this? Oh oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have some of that. That looks pretty good. So, uh, you want to know what I thought you were gonna ask me? Yeah. I thought you were gonna ask me if I'd noticed a lot of, and that's where this where the question went off the rails. But uh, fruit based IPAs because have you? Uh, not a lot, but I'm noticing there's an uptick in it and I don't know if it's where it specifically came from, but I think I first kind of sussed it, really noticed it with ballast point in the States with Sculpin. They were doing like a really nice grapefruit one and they do a habanero one. And I feel like there was like a blood orange one or something. Um, and now, yeah, a lot of Ontario breweries are following suit. So much so, and why it was kind of on my radar was because Stephen Beaumont was bemoaning the that this might be like the the thing uh, to do now, and that you know, in his fine form, and not to say that he's wrong at all, but he's very much like a you know what guys just focus on making a good IPA, start with a great IPA, and then you can throw some fruit in it if you want. So, uh, but this grapefruit IPA from Refined Fool is subtly it's not subtly grapefruity it's pretty grapefruity but it's not like drinking grapefruit juice it's still very much an ipa with a extra twist of grapefruit i think that sounds nice mm-hmm. um on the fruit conversation i feel like that it, it's very cyclical like don't you feel that every summer somebody has something to say about there being too many fruit flavored beers and then every summer we see more than the previous year Sure, but I think in in this specific case, he was talking about IPAs and that the fruit uh, IPA gotcha. was yeah sort of the 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 big deal now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, for sure, every summer the fruit beer explosion happens, and some of it good and some of it not. And it's uh, it is yeah, it's kind of come May. Here come the fruit beers and uh, damned or or not, whether you like them or not. So uh, speaking of summertime uh, trends, though, I have to check back in with uh, you and with the uh, our, our friendly listeners. I did some <laughs> actual uh, legwork and uh, literally just for the sake of the podcast, I, I didn't take any photos. I didn't review anything, but just so I could talk about it on the podcast, when I was at the LCBO and picked up the refined fool, they had two count them two of the, uh, hard root beers available and mad Jack actually, who's got a lot of ads up around the city was not one of them, but I was able to get, Oh, friggin' heck I'm blanking on, 
the one that I really liked. I got the Mill Street what? one, and... Wasn't that one called Dusty Boots? Dusty Boots, exactly. That yeah. was the other one. Thank you. Good job. That's why I have a co-host. Um, <coughs> so, got those two. Tried them with uh, an impartial panel of me, my buddy Josh, Erica, my buddy Dave, and my buddy Nadia. That's Dave's wife. And we all had some of them each. And the consensus was Dusty Boots, very tasty, but basically because it just tasted like a good quality root beer. Not really any beer characteristics coming through on that one. It was just sweet and medicinal and all the good rooty beery things that you want in a good root beer. So if you want to have a root beer that'll get you drunk, uh, the Dusty Boots gets a top mark in our books, although not much going on in terms of beer. The Mill Street one, on the other hand, had some beer notes, which were kind of muddied and weird. And the root beer taste was really much more just sort of um, herbal or, or, or like spice based. But okay. yeah, but not like super delicious. And then there was a problem that there was a real heavy fusel alcohol kind of tang that we think might have come from the distillate, but like gasoline. Yeah, gasoline Eesh. root beer. Mm-hmm. So not not your favorite of the two? Not my favorite of the two. I wouldn't recommend against it, but I would say maybe start with a single bottle and see how you do with it, because it was just strange and... It was root beery, but not not very pleasant. So, so yeah, I did some homework for uh, you guys at home, and uh, I'm gonna try and get the Mad Jack one, which I kind of expect to be somewhere in the neighborhood of the D- Dusty Boots one, like sugary, like like drinking pop that just also happens to have five percent alcohol in it. That's this is my thinking. Is Mad Jack who's that made by? I don't know. Is it Molson? I, I think it is. I think it is. That's, the, yeah. that's their Apple beer brand, right? That's so, yeah, right. Yeah. Molson. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I think it's one of the big guys, but I can't remember who. So yeah, it's a Molson one. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Have you cracked into any of those? I haven't. You know what? I've been, I've been looking for the Dusty Boots one in the LCBOs every time I was in, but I wasn't able to find it. Mm. Um, so I'm yet to, to taste. There's a few on our team that are sort of interested in trying it. So I've continuously been been looking for it and keeping an eye open but yet to find it in my travels there was literally two bottles at the danforth and vic park lcbo and i bought one of them so there might still be one there there you go (laughs) um but yeah have you had uh you were away do you want to say where you're away to or keep that on the dl um we'll just yeah i don't need to talk about it it's not uh yeah not too relevant. It was a tropical location, not known for its it high quality beer. <laughs> no, and I was tra- I was traveling for a close friend's wedding, so yeah, it was it was more of a personal thing. It was very nice, nice to get away. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Well, that's uh, that was my little homework piece. Um, I feel like I'm running out already, Mandy. I am so. I, tired. on the other hand, did no homework whatsoever. <laughs> you know what I've been doing in lieu of a lot of homework is working my tail off. Because, as a lot of you will remember, I'm a temp at the post office now. Well, let me tell you, 
summertime is when people apparently take holidays. So I worked two weeks on a route that nearly killed me. And now I'm on a different route that I actually had to do special training this morning to be able to drive a bigger truck. And now they let me drive the bigger trucks. So I'm ripping around the city in a big old step van. And uh, but it was a long day today because my training was an add on. So I actually worked like 10.5 hours today and uh, I earned the beer that I'm drinking. Let me tell you that. Um, oh, I remembered what I was going to talk more about, but I was going to bounce off of you first because before you went away, uh, we went through some festivaly time and so on and so forth. Had we, were we up to date? Like last thing that I had done was session and, oh, you guys would have done the beaches, barbecue and Bruce fest, right? Yeah. We didn't get the chance to talk about any of that. Yeah. I feel like we totally would have missed all that. Uh, I went to session. It was great. It was what it is. It's a beer festival in Young and Dundas Square and lots and lots and lots of people. And actually, I noticed right before a uh, session happened, Ben Johnson had written an article. I think it was Ben. I'm pretty sure it was Ben about uh, why craft beer was so white. And it was interesting and well thought out. And he had some cool quotes from people. It was very well done. Obviously, I'll link to it. Um, but I read that and then like the next day went to session. And I think because I was a little bit more aware because I just read that, I actually noticed it was not. I mean, it was still predominantly a white beer festival, but I was like, there's actually an, a good representation, not not uh, not of any one specific racial group you could put your finger on. But just looking around and being like, wow, a lot of people here I wouldn't identify as sort of bearded white guys at a beer festival um which was I, I i was i was quite happy with that i thought oh that's a that's a good harbinger of the times um but other than that good times i spent a lot of time drinking coriolis effect from sawdust city because whoo that is one nice beer uh yeah and other than that just kind of cruising around doing the session thing did you taste uh, many of the collabs um, not so much. I think I had oh, a no. couple, but that's it, my thing with those with, well, and with session too, it can be pretty crowded, pretty busy. And so I tend to kind of end up parking somewhere often by Sadist city. Um, so yeah, I had some of them. I can't really remember. <laughs> and so you guys did beaches and brews and barbecue. We did. Yeah. It was under new management this year. Um, so the festival changed really changed a little bit. Yep, uh, it's no longer run by the, by the, the folks that huh. do Toronto Festival of Beer. Huh. Uh, but nonetheless, we were we were there, and they continued to have uh, have a pretty good selection of craft beer. A small but good selection of craft beer. It's an important one for us to do because it's right in the right in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference this year is they had uh, these giant wagons that beer vendors would walk around with, filled with ice and Bud Light uh, and Budweiser. So that really changed the dynamic of the festival a little bit for us. Yeah. Um, but we actually poured more beer this year at the fest than we've ever poured before. And we've been there. This will be our our fourth year there. Yeah, our fourth year there. Yeah, that's, uh, um, that's right. It's a, we've never we've never poured as much as we did as we did this year. So I don't know if that can be attributed to attendance being up overall or just better awareness in the neighborhood or, or what it just growth of craft beer overall. Not really sure where it came from, but uh, we we pretty well ran out of beer by the end of Saturday and had to load in <laughs> another ten kegs on Sunday. So it was a it was a great festival for us. It always is. 
um, a hot, hot weekend though. And just interesting, an interesting dynamic with the new management when you sort of get comfy knowing how festivals run, um, and then everything changes. It, it's interesting to see. That's interesting too. I had no idea. Cause it was, I mean, it had been Toronto festival of beer and then the festival was bought by Beerlicious or whatever. Right. And then, so it's somebody different now. That's really, I completely missed that. It's very interesting. Uh, and did you, you went, you were at the festival? Yeah, I was there pouring on the uh, the Friday and Saturday, and then we were actually at the also pouring on the Sunday at the Leslieville Flea Market. I was gonna get to um, that, yeah. Which is super cool. It what a cool, relaxed um, vibe and really interesting event and a great place to pour beer. Um, so so we're gonna be doing all of the flea markets this summer, and we had a, a great first experience. It, it's pretty cool. You can wander through the park and shop for vintage goods with a beer in hand and. Um, it's sort of like a, a breezy location. It's at the Ashbridge's estate. Um, and so it's a, it's, you find yourself under the weeping willow trees, wandering around, looking at vintage goods, drinking a beer. It's really nice. Really, really nice. Yeah. That's the, um, the place sort of right by the, uh, the, the streetcar loop, not loop, but the streetcar servicing yeah, yard, right? Exactly. Right. The, the streetcar yards, it's right across the street from that, that little, little old cottage mm. um, surrounded by a white picket fence. It's really quite a beautiful location. That's super cool. Have you done uh, the Leslieville Farmer's Market yet? Not yet, but we, uh, we're going to be doing that one starting uh, in the end of, toward the end of July, and we'll be there for a number of weekends through the summer, so end of July, all through August, and a few weekends in September as well. It's cool. Yeah, I saw Indy had put up a tweet or something and a couple weeks back that they were there that week. And we haven't actually gotten over to check it out because we've been super busy. And actually, one of the reasons that we used to go to the flea market or the, the farmer's market a lot was because in the summer, our church service normally starts a, an hour earlier. But we're not, the church isn't doing that this year. And so we're still going to go, I think. But it's a little bit more of a tight squeeze to get over, especially because... Typically, we get hooked uh, fish tacos, but they often run out. And if we're even later, we might be out of luck just eating fresh berries and cheese from Montfort Dairy and probably just drinking beer. That's that's my what I want to do. So tough, tough life. Not a bad way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Um, not at all. Now, if I may have a moment of your time. I had the absolute joy real pleasure of last weekend being up in Muskoka for the long weekend last weekend like not the one that just went by but like a week ago for the Canada Day long weekend mainly to attend Sada City's funk festival oh you didn't I did oh, I'm jealous it was honestly probably the best festival I've gone to this year. Like I can just shut shut up the shop, call it a, a year as far as festivals go. That is going to be real hard to beat, real hard. So for uh, if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, Sawdust put on a funk festival, all funky like Brett lacto soury beers barrel aged stuff uh it was fantastic it was in their parking lot up in gravenhurst and the representation of breweries was not huge huge but i would guess in the 
teens. There was probably in the teens of breweries that had sent along beers. And I was, I mean, I was drinking with a host of people, but I was spending a good chunk of time with uh, Rob Hearn from, uh, well, Horizon, but also Short Fingered Brewing, uh, the homebrew shop in Guelph, and his uh, partner, Kat. And we were having things and like we kept catching ourselves being like, oh, yeah, that's that's fine. That's all right. And then being like, no, no, that is like mind bendingly good. It's just it's the seventh mind bendingly good beer I've had in a row. And I'm getting a little desensitized to them now. And it was just like every single beer. I'm not saying every beer they had there was fantastic because I didn't drink every single beer they had there. But every single beer I had was like knockout amazing beer it was fantastic it was so good even though it rained a bit but uh i predict that they will do this festival again next summer and i predict that i will definitely be there because it was so class so highly encourage anybody listening if you get a chance head on up for the next one you will not be sorry and mandy you should feel sorry that you missed it although i think you were probably already traveling at that point but nonetheless it was no it sounds it sounds like a great time it's something i had wanted to get to for sure but i was traveling and not able to make it um was this the first time this was the first time they had done done the festival right yep that's right it was the inaugural funk fest in gravenhurst and were the uh were any of the breweries represented? Were they there pouring themselves, or was were the, was the Sawdust Crew pouring everyone's, or how did that work? That's a good question. Um, I feel like there were a couple of breweries that might have had people there pouring themselves, but there was also quite a few that were, yeah, just being poured by um, uh, by the staff, like the hired guns. Though, like I remember, because I was gonna grab. Uh, what was it? Oh, it was uh, Jelly King. There was some Bellwoods Jelly King. And when I ordered it, and it was still pretty, uh, pretty early in the day, uh, and the chick who was pouring it, who I didn't recognize, maybe she's full-time bar staff or whatever at, uh, at Sawdust, maybe not, I don't know. But she was like, oh man, I love this, and started like describing the things that she liked about the beer. And I was like, yep, you can stay that's perfect like because so often as you know or you didn't know but as you've alluded to in the past at a festival if you know the staff of the brewery aren't pouring the beer you're really it's a crapshoot whether or not you're going to get decent representation but uh i i would say it was wildly successful for that too so it was very very good cool that's great to hear and then what uh do you have any top i know you said everything was really good but did you have any top uh standouts of the crowd what yeah you really loved? yeah the the jelly king from bellwoods which i'd had previously was just not so good uh sawdust had done um i don't actually now that i think about it i don't know if it was a collab or not but it was called the mountie and uh it was really cool um it was not crazy 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 funky but like uh it had it had a pretty solid bready thing going. They also did a sour Hopfenweiss that was really interesting because it it almost kind of worked in stages. So you would take a sip and you'd be like, "Hmm, hops. Ooh, a little bit of wheat beer. Whoa, it's sour." Like 
it just played out in stages. It was really cool. And, and that, that was one of, that was by Sawdust? Yeah, that was Sawdust as well. And then I'm trying to remember Nickelbrook. I feel like it was a Berliner, but it wasn't Uber. It was something else I've forgotten the name of. I think I had three or four of those ones because it was just bright and refreshing and at that point the rain had stopped and it was hot and and i just wanted things that made me happy in the heat and so had some of that it was really cool very very cool festival well done to the guys at sawdust and then actually a buddy of mine met me uh him and his wife came down and we hung out we actually went to the griffin and bracebridge and had some food and sat on the patio and drank some beers and it was a wonderful day all around um and i woke up the next morning feeling actually pretty normal and decent so pat on my back i also drank some water apparently <laughs> that can be hit or miss if you're drinking sour beers all day so good for you for real it uh yeah yeah between just the acid reflux some people suffer uh and then also yeah all those bacterias and bugs they can do weird weird things to your hangover but uh i did just dandy so so yeah it was a fantastic way to spend canada day let me tell you uh what do you guys got coming up in terms of festivals i know toronto festival is soon a couple weeks yeah it's in a couple weeks we'll be there as we always are um what else do we have going on we're gonna be just doing a lot of local stuff so all of the leslieville flea markets many of the leslieville farmers markets as i had already mentioned will of course be at the only summer beer fest which is the first weekend in august i believe Ooh, yeah i need to remember that um, oh is it really i think i think i have a thing on the saturday i might have to do the friday i think so i think six seven but i'm not certain yeah um, it actually seems to have dropped out of my calendar somehow, so I'll need to look that up. <laughs> uh, yeah, just the usual, just the usual trying to keep, uh, keep things rolling along at the brewery and manage capacity. It's, tis the season, so it's been, been pretty busy during Jay's games these days. Uh, yeah, as it would be. Whoa, mm-hmm. Nelly, how about the Jays? They, uh, I, saw, I heard a stat and I can't remember what the numbers were. But year over date, their win loss record going into the All Star break, because it was really last year after the All Star break that they really kind of kicked it into overdrive. And so they came out of the gate. Well, they haven't been like solidly out of the gate charging, but they've certainly put up better numbers already. And uh, it looks like they're just going to keep keep going. This is a good yeah, time to be a Jays at, fan. They haven't had a record like this. So they're at 51 and 40, and they haven't had a record like this since. Uh, at this point in the season since 1992 and we all know what happened in 1992 <gasps> i turned 12 <laughs> <laughs> uh seinfeld premiered um no that was in the 80s wasn't it i know what happened in 92 i'm being a goof um uh you mentioned earlier not in the context of the podcast but that you guys have a prospect uh mosaic mm-hmm. yeah that's uh that one launched just last week, so it's tasting fantastic. We're really, really happy with it. It's nice to get an IPA back in the lineup in the summer. That is something that's between keeping Ephus, Maris, and Sunlight Park in stock, um, having a having an IPA and just the amount of time that the IPA takes in the in the tanks when we do all the dry hopping with it, uh, it's really kind of remarkable or we're, we're fairly not remarkable but we're, we're fairly excited to be able to pull that off mm. um because it, it does take some time and it occupies some space for a while 
and uh, keeping beer in stock in the summer is a challenge. So uh, yeah, it's in the shop for now, but I'm certain it won't last terribly long. Um, we, we had hoped to do some higher packaging numbers on it as far as bottles go, but uh, boring sort of production planning stories that we, uh, we were shorted on some of our bottles because the ink on the painted bottles wouldn't dry due to the humidity. Oh. Um, so these are some of the fun problems you get to deal with uh, in the summertime, <laughs> trying to package beer. And uh, so we weren't able to bottle as much as of, it, of it as we would like, meaning that it won't, it won't last in the bottle shop for as long as we would have hoped. So if you are into single hop IPAs and really like Mosaic in particular, um, get in and, and give it a try. We're we're really happy with it. It's tasting super great. You get any of the uh, kind of classic blueberry kind of tang off of the mosaic, or does it hit more of the tropical side? A little bit, but I find it more tropical. It's, to me, it's just tons of melon, mm. like very, very melon. Um, yeah, but uh, it's great. It, it's super fresh, like less than a week old. So get in and give it a try. That uh, I was going to say, for some reason, for obvious reasons, talking about IPAs made me think I've got to... Uh, I think I'm going to try and bottle Thursday after work. So I got some beers that need to be bottled sitting around the house like homebrew. What do you have ready to go? Well, I've got a Cezanne. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> you do not. I know. I think I've even talked about it a couple of times because it, it's been, I've been just being patient. Uh, but I made it with all Peco hops, which is a, uh, a hop from the U.S. It's from the American Dwarf Hop Growers Association, and uh, it's spicy and floral and lovely. And I did I used Escarpment Labs um, New World Saison blend, and so that's part of the reason why it's still kind of kicking around is it's a blend of a sack and I think one or two breath strains. And so once the sack finished up, I just needed to give the bread a bit of time to do a bit of work, but it's dropped to one on the specific gravity, which is what I always like my saisons at. I always like to say no need for those pesky decimals. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Also, we're probably going to bottle that into champagne bottles. I just need to borrow a, a, a floor corker for that. Um, but that's pretty wicked and cool. But what I'm even more excited about is completely out of character. I brewed an IPA, and sp specifically a Vermont IPA. And uh, it is tasting glorious. And I spent a lot of time and energy on the uh, water chemistry uh, to get it to that very soft and creamy mouthfeel. And it's got some oats and some wheat in it to help with that. But I'm stoked on that. But all that made me think a funny homebrewing anecdote and a bit of a lesson, kids at home, if you make your own beer, about the risks of being highly irresponsible and it goes like this i had this beer actually a beer that the name had come out of a joke on the podcast which was it was hipster bitch slap and so it's a i entered it as a belgian ipa into a contest it's technically a french farmhouse ipa is what i named it um but it had uh, uh what was it nelson sovin and el dorado hops and and it was just as hip as you can get but it wasn't quite ready when I wanted it to be. So I ended up uh, transferring it to the bottling bucket and priming it and bottling it and then handing that bottle to a friend to enter it into this contest that day. And I knew it was about a week until it got judged. So even if it was in perfect, perfect, uh, you know, ambient temp and everything is great, uh, seven days isn't really enough time to properly condition a bottle. And I suspect it actually probably was stored in a refrigerator, which would have been good for everybody except me. 
but the long and short of it is I got my uh, tasting notes back for it. And I actually got a 10 out of 50 from one of the judges oh dear. who noted it as a seriously flawed beer, which is, I think, what I'm going to rechristen it if I make it again. Um, <laughs> it is, by the way, fantastic. And I'm cooking through it because it's really, really, really good. And I've given it to a couple of other people whose opinions I value highly. And they've all agreed, oh, yeah, that's tasty. That's a good beer. But uh, obviously... Uh, one of the complaints was it was under attenuated, which would make sense because it would have had priming sugar in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and actually, one of the judges identified something that is blatantly, patently false, but uh, there was enough wrong with it that we can give them a bit of room to have screwed that one up because they were fishing through a murky haze of under attenuated. Uh, he'd also noted diacetyl, which would come from the incomplete uh, conditioning. Like, yeah, it was it was a mess. So uh, got a 10 out of 50 from one judge. And the other one, I think, gave me a 14 out of 50, which are really bad scores in the homebrewing world. Yikes. Or in any beer judging, for that matter. Yeah, exactly. So from award-winning homebrewer to basement scoring homebrewer. I also entered a different beer that actually fared pretty well. But uh, yeah, that uh, that was... I almost would have been upset, except it was also hilarious to me. So... <laughs> what do you have coming up next, Chris? Um, well, actually, there's an event called the People's Pint, which is uh, co-hosted by uh, Doug Appledorn from Schoolhouse Craft Beer Brewing. I can't remember the exact name. Um, and he also teaches a bunch of the uh, Prude Home courses. And a home brewer uh, whose name is uh, uh, Pietro, I'm trying to remember, Kara, I think his last name is. Anyway, uh, Pete. Uh, he's a part of the same homebrew group as me. And they do this event where homebrewers... Uh, take their rig to a production brewery and make a batch of beer, which means that that beer was made on that facility's license now. And then it can be uh, properly served at an event. Although with there's some new laws you might have come across. Um, I did see that. And it's going to become easier to serve homebrewed beer um, at a wider array of events. But anyway, this event was created to, uh, to try and fill that gap. And I actually got uh, asked if I would participate. So I'm going to be brewing a beer actually with Jeff over at Muddy York. I say with him. He's more than welcome to help out, uh, but it'll be on my system just at his shop. And uh, because of my love of farmhouse beers, it's actually going to be another uh, kick at a beer to guard. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be like an Ardennes style beer to guard. Um, pretty, pretty stock, but I might get a little fancy pants with the hopping. So, but yeah, I use like the Y yeast, Ardennes yeast. And actually, I've picked up a bunch of, um, oh, I can never remember. Barn Owl Malts, and it's Barn Cat Brewing, I think. If I got that backwards, I'll correct it in the show notes. But anyway, um, a new maltster that uh, is malting here in Ontario, uh, uh, making Ontario-grown uh, malted barley. So I have some of their um, Munich 1 and some of their Pale Ale. So I'm probably going to make it with that, and I might try and get some... Um, VKH or Clear Valley hops and uh, have a go at doing it with uh, nearly all Canadian ingredients. I would probably still use the Y yeast, Ardan yeast because it's good. But uh, but yeah, go for like a Canadian style beer to guard. Cool. That sounds like a good project. 
Yeah, I think it should be fun. And it's a style I'm comfortable with, which the part of it is you then go on to serve it at this event where people are learning about homebrewing and stuff. And so, you know, you really don't want to make a terrible beer. So No, no, it's not, not necessarily the time to be trying something you've not... Uh not tried similar styles to before yeah you want to stick with uh, stick with what you know so go with what you know exactly um yeah and then other than that nothing much got same things that you do actually Toronto festival of beer um only festival that'll be good we're actually booked this is not beer related but to go back to sandbanks which we did last year and the oh, year nice. before yeah so good Try are you still and- doing uh doing any filming you know what? I, I'm I'm not. I mean, I would love to be. Um, I have one right now that's so close to ready. I just need to spend about four hours creating a couple of images and doing some uh, some title screens, and then it'll be ready to go. But uh, I just, yeah, life has bumped that. So, but hopefully, um, actually, there's a possibility. There's some brewers coming in from the states. Uh, in the next couple of well three weeks or so and i might try and connect and do uh get some footage of one of them so but yeah yeah just ugh, life what are we gonna do living the dream <laughs> living the dream uh anything else to add anything you want to no, throw in i got nothing i'm sorry i'm i'm out of it tonight can we have a wrigley update Wrigley's great. He's been up and down with all kinds of weird health things, but he's great now. He's he's awesome. That's good. I got to bring yeah. Gracie and Ben by to see Wiggly. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing really well. He's very, lo- <laughs> very lovable. Is he still primarily chilling in the office or is he spending more time in front of his? Uh, a little bit more time up front, but he's usually with me and I'm usually in the office. Mm. But if I'm working up uh, upstairs, he he's pretty good at just hanging out now. I think it's a combination of him maturing and the heat but it's causing <laughs> caused him to be pretty lazy most days yeah i feel that i feel that cool well all right uh let's i haven't even looked at my schedule but uh see if we can try and hit off episode two of season three in the next two weeks or so and uh, it'll also depend on when i actually get around to editing this because work you know but uh see what we see and uh yeah talk to you all in sort of two weeks ish. Have a good night.